The Truth News Network. On every continent, in every capital, at colleges, universities, wherever solid thinking stands against the tides of insanity, there is one voice, a beacon, a light in the murkiness of political swill. From TNN, the Truth News Network, comes that voice, Dan Newman. Already, we have a massive audience listening in today. And I got to be honest with you folks, please listen to what I'm about to tell you. It doesn't matter if we have a million people or if we have one. All that matters is that you trust us to give you news and information. That's what we try to do the best of our ability here. And when we don't have it right, we'll tell you, hey guys, we're kind of uncertain about this. We think it's real. We haven't been able to prove it or disprove it yet. And we'll come back and let you know if we're wrong. But, and then we tell you what we're talking about. Wouldn't it be novel to be able to trust mainstream media, any newspaper, any television news show? (laughs) It would be wonderful if we could trust any of them to give us the facts. The sad thing is, folks, there's hardly anybody we can trust to give us facts. Therefore, It's more critical than ever in your lifetime, even your parents or their parents' lifetimes. It's more critical that you stay on top of the facts and information that you yourself digest and those in your family, especially your children. Guard your children. Today, there are all types of evil people out there that want to devour our generation of kids that are in school right now. Gosh, we're not even on Friday, and I'm just blowing it up here. (laughs) Well, (laughs) welcome back to TNN Live. Thank you so much for being here today. We covered a whole bunch yesterday. We're going to cover a whole lot today. Listen, we know the Mar-a-Lago thing is of utmost importance for a lot of reasons. We know that, and we have some stuff that we're going to get into there. But let me point something out. When Donald Trump was running for president the first time, even before this show began, we were still writing at truthnewsnet.org. I told you something, and I think what I told you, I didn't even then realize how important it is. But with this horror show that played out on Monday at Mar-a-Lago, it becomes more and more apparent that what I told you back then still is applicable. Now, what am I talking about? Any time in the political world you have some big story that mainstream media across the board, they pile on, and day after day, hour after hour, that's the only news we hear. It's almost like, well, let's just use the orange man as an example. The orange man, of course, is former President Donald Trump. He got that on his own. He earned that with his hair color in his first run for president, even before he made it to the Oval Office. So it's kind of like the orange man is standing up on the stage and he's waving his arms, especially one arm, you notice, and the other one's kind of behind his back. Everybody's looking at the arm that he's waving. It's almost like he's saying, look here, look here. But what's important and what's really going on at the time is in his hand that's behind his back. So anytime you hear the crazy uproar about anything 
and mainstream media. And listen, you can take your pick. CNN, MSNBC, the three big broadcast networks, ABC, CBS, NBC, and then, of course, the other cable channels, they, they march in lockstep. If you, if you watch CNN, you might as well be watching MSNBC or ABC or CBS or NBC. That's the way they do it. But they want everybody to watch and listen. Don't look anywhere else. Just watch me. Just look right here. Let me tell you. Let me show you. They're always hiding something behind their backs. So as we go into the show today, we are, I mean, we're full of stories. We want you to hear from a bunch of people. We have Missouri Senator Josh Hawley. We have Donald Trump's attorney, the one that actually tried to be there at Mar-a-Lago Monday, Lindsay Halligan. We have her for you. And we have some other opinions. People are coming on and talking about really important things, like what did Melania Trump hide in her closet? <laughs> they, they had to search her closet. There are so many things. But I got to tell you, I've got two voices on the show today that I just could not pass up. One of them is Dan Bongino. You know who Dan Bongino is. He's bombastic, former New York City cop, Secret Service agent, ran for Congress in Maryland of all places. Lost the race and he moved his family to Florida and he's down there in God's country and uh, he does a weekend television show on Fox News. He has a daily podcast that he does, and he is just a in-your-face guy all the time. We're going to hear from Dan Bongino, and i got to warn you in advance, uh, his language gets a little flowery, (laughs) and I'm being kind when I tell you that, and he even knows when he did that bit, it was going to appear on broadcast television and radio, And four-letter words, you get in trouble, you get fined. Sometimes you even lose your license, television or radio, for four-letter words. Well, Dan Bongino, he may be the... No, Roger Stone was the first person in TNN Live history to use the really bad four-letter word, fire truck. (laughs) You remember that interview last year? He was so mad, he just came out with it. If that had been broadcast TV or radio, we'd have been in trouble, and so would he, but it isn't. So, Bongino, I'm apologizing apologizing for him in advance. And then the other person we always love for you to hear is Louisiana U.S. Senator John Kennedy, who is a, a spokesman. There is no doubt about it, not for Congress, not for the Republicans, but for Americans. He's Mark Twain of this century so far. And he analyzed Joe Biden. Now, this isn't from yesterday. It's from a little ways back behind us. But take away the emotion of this week just for a few minutes. Forget about that. Think about Joe Biden, Joe Biden president, Joe Biden when he was U.S. senator, when he was campaigning. Think about that Joe Biden. And just for a second, let's listen to the senator kind of coach us through who Joe Biden really is. 
The first lady coming to her husband's defense saying that the problems that have piled up under the president's watch are not his fault. Jill Biden telling donors at a private Democratic fundraiser that a host of unforeseen events here and abroad have stopped the Biden administration from achieving most of its agenda. Quote, he's just had so many things thrown his way. Who would have ever thought about what happened with the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade? Well, maybe we saw it coming, but we still didn't believe it. The gun violence in this country is absolutely appalling. We didn't see the war in Ukraine coming. Republicans say it's no excuse for the president's policies, and they point to his poll numbers as proof that the American people are not buying it. Let's bring in Senator John Kennedy, Republican from Louisiana. So Jill Biden, the first lady, lamenting that all of these crises have beset her husband and not allowed his domestic policy agenda, his foreign policy agenda for that matter as well, to go forward, that it's been sidetracked. But when it comes to things like gas prices, inflation, the war in Ukraine, which she said nobody saw coming, how much of this was unforeseen and how much of this is a self-inflicted wound? I'm, uh, I'm sorry the, uh, the First Lady is not enjoying herself more. Imagine how the American people feel. They don't get free food and free housing or a free helicopter or a free plane or several free cars and a staff of thousands. Here is a cold dish of truth, John. You reap what you sow. Um, go woke and go broke. And that's the reason that the results of President Biden's policies look like the aftermath of a bar broil. <laughs> President Biden has chosen to blindly follow such masters of the universe as Senator Bernie Sanders, Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez, and the people on The View. Uh, take, take inflation. Mm. This inflation was made in Washington. At President Biden's encouragement, the Federal Reserve printed too much money, Congress spent too much money, and President Biden uh, forfeited America's energy independence. And if you disagreed with any of that, the president called you a racist or a misogynist or a Nazi. Yeah. Now, the Federal Reserve has started reversing that policy. Mm -hmm. President Biden hasn't. And I would suggest to him that the solution to a fantasy is to stop indulging in it. Yeah, he's still got Build Back Better on his mind. Now, this the, the comments from the First Lady came at a fundraiser uh, for the uh, DNC on Nantucket, at which, according to the New York Post, she said, the president had so many hopes and plans for things he wanted to do, but every time you turned around, he had to address the problems of the moment. Every presidency is beset with crises. It's, it's part of being president. But other administrations have been able to deal with the crises and also pursue their, their policy agendas. Why is this president incapable of doing that? I don't know. Um, some think that uh, age is not a guarantee of wisdom. Mm -hmm. uh, that may be part of it. But I think the real reason is his policies. I, I mean, uh, look at the border. You know, they, they say, oh, uh, woe is me. We've got a crisis at the border. Well, Mr. President, you created it. If you want mm -hmm. to solve it, just go back to the policies that were implemented the day before you took office. Uh, I mentioned inflation. A another example is crime. Yep. Well, when you persistently defund and disrespect the police, um, policemen are gonna quit. And the solution 
is to stop defunding and disrespecting the police, stand behind them, encourage them to enforce all laws, the big ones and the little ones. I mean, so, you don't have to be Einstein's cousin, John, to figure all this out. You know, when you take a look at this New York Times Siena poll that came out a number of days ago, which, which really is disastrous for the president, there are so many people across the board that do not want to see him run again. When asked whether or not Biden should be the nominee in 2024 or another candidate, young voters, 18 to 29 years old, 94% said another candidate. White voters, 70% said another candidate. Hispanic voters, 63%. Black voters even had a majority, 47%. Now, the fact that so many Democrats are now openly talking about not wanting Biden to run in 2024, does that suggest that he is a victim of unexpected crises or not up to the job? Well, I, boy, I could spend an hour on that. I, I realize the first lady's not having a very good time, but imagine how the president feels. He is less than halfway through his term, and he's already a lame duck. The majority of Americans think he shouldn't run for re-election. The majority of Democrats think he won't, shouldn't run for re-election. Um, a lot of his colleagues are already talking about running against him. And the only way he's going to find his footing, in my judgment, and the only way that uh, uh, the American people are going to, to be better off is to reverse his woke policies. It's yeah. just that simple. You reap what you sow. Otherwise, I mean, the, the American people are just going to continue to, uh, to not eat, trust him eat with, a, with a glow stick. That actually was an interview that took place several weeks ago. But is it not applicable to the Joe Biden, Biden world, Biden inflation, everything going on in the Biden administration? It's just as applicable today as it was several weeks ago. And guess what? It'll still be applicable after the midterms until he leaves office. That is Joe Biden. Joe Biden was inept. He couldn't make a speech on his own. He robbed speeches and speech content from other people throughout his senatorial career. He's got a past. And if you look in his past, which the experts told us when he was running for office, hey, we've examined his past. He's qualified. There's nothing in there that would disqualify him to be president. Well, look what we are living in right now. If that's not sufficient to disqualify anybody from being president, there is no such thing as a qualification to disqualify somebody from being president. Everything the man does turns to crap. And Bongino uses another word for that a little bit later on. <laughs> it's crazy. Senator Kennedy came out with the most salient quote that you will ever hear about life and living life. You reap what you sow. Whatever seeds we put in the ground of our lives, that's what's going to grow every time. And Joe Biden has done some unbelievable sowing of seed. Let me just point one thing out. Here's an 80-year-old guy. He is in some type, some level of cognitive decline, and he's gotten involved in so many surreptitious, shady things in his past. And I'm not pontificating. I'm not throwing something out there that isn't proven. It's fact. 
it's fact, and he's getting busted a little bit more every day about lying about it. He has, and maybe now it's had, but he has had at least some involvement with Ukrainian oligarchs, Russian oligarchs, Chinese businessmen, tycoons at the behest of Xi Jinping. All those things I just said are proven facts. Now compare that and lay it right beside what happened when it was exposed by the FBI. James Comey, by the way, who hated Trump. James Comey and the FBI unearthed the fact that Hillary Clinton, when when Secretary of State, she had a private, unsecure server in her home at Chappaqua, and the campaign for Hillary Clinton and everybody working for her in the State Department, they communicated with email addresses and emails from and to that unsecure server. And one of those who did that was the President of the United States, Barack Obama. Now, think about that. Every memo any president writes, every note, every letter, every email any president sends or receives is considered to automatically be top secret and classified. And we know because the FBI told us everything that originated from that server or went to it was being forwarded to some other country. All of that came out. What happened to Hillary Clinton? She scrubbed that server and destroyed, when they were under subpoena, 33,000 emails. What happened to Hillary? We're either living in a third world country or we're living in a world that is so far left that when leftists break the law, when they do something wrong, even if they're serving in the highest office in the land, it's okay. Everybody else, you can't even blink without being held accountable by those on the left. Yeah, we live in that world. We live in that world, you and me, the world where if the House of Representatives tomorrow, if they decide to pass that boondoggle inflation-busting bill that the Senate passed, 87,000 new FBI agents that are going to be armed, by the way, are being added and we're told they're going to do the audit process for the filthy rich in America, 87,000. There are not 87,000 billionaires in America. I'm just saying. So each one of those agents would audit one of those billionaires. And I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating. But you see where I'm going. It's not going to fall on those billionaires. If there really are 87,000 FBI agents that are hiring to do audits, guess who's getting the audits? You and me. Have you ever been through an uh, an internal revenue audit? If you haven't, folks, I would say this. I've been through several, and on all but one, I came out with them owing me money. 
but I would have paid, I don't know how much money to never go through the second one that I ever went through just because it was an audit. It's not pleasant. It's not uncomfortable. And the, the basis, the fundamental thing that the IRS plans on anytime you're audited, they're going to find something. They find something every single time. And that's before they got guns. <laughs> There'll be at least 87,000 of them packing when they come knocking on your door. And it's not going to be the billionaires. It's not going to be people that make more than $400,000 a year, as they promised. Folks, this administration promises all kind of stuff. And they make no bones about turning on it later. Oh, we were just talking. We didn't really mean that promise. Later in the show, I'm going to read you the ad, the ad that the IRS has already put out there looking for the right person to fill those 87,000 jobs. You'll get hackles all over your body when you hear it. We shouldn't expect anything different. We knew this was coming. Donald Trump knew it was coming. Two months before Mar-a-Lago was raided, Donald Trump secretly received a grand jury subpoena for classified documents belonging to the National Archives. What did he do? He didn't go to the media. He didn't get up and Trump and, oh, look what they're doing. They're coming after me just because I'm Donald Trump. He voluntarily cooperated turning over responsive evidence that the subpoena called for, surrendering security surveillance footage, and allowing federal agents and a senior DOJ lawyer to tour his private storage locker. That happened. Nobody's talking about that. While the cooperation was mostly put together by his lawyers, as you can imagine it would be, Trump personally surprised the DOJ National Security Division prosecutor and three FBI agents who came to his compound on June 3rd. He greeted them personally as they came to pick up a small number of documents compliant with the subpoena. Where's this? Where's this? You hear about that? No, you didn't hear about that. That subpoena requested any remaining documents Trump possessed with any classification markings, even if they involved photos of foreign leaders, correspondence, or mementos from his presidency. Secret Service agents were also present, and they facilitated the visit. Trump signaled his full cooperation. He told the agents and prosecutor, look, whatever you need, let us know. Now that's according to two eyewitnesses that were on the spot. The federal team was surprised by the president's invitation and asked for an immediate favor to see the six foot by 10 foot storage locker where his clothes, his shoes, his documents and mementos from his presidency were stored inside the Mar-a-Lago compound. Given Trump's instruction, the president's lawyers complied. They allowed the search by the FBI before the entourage left, and they left cordially. Five days later, DOJ officials sent a letter to Trump's lawyers 
asking them to secure the storage locker with more than the lock they had seen. The Secret Service, they installed a more robust security lock to comply and sent pictures to make sure they were okay. About the same time, the Trump Organization, which they own Mar-a-Lago, received a request for surveillance video footage covering the locker and volunteered the footage to federal authorities. So the disclosure of what I just gave you yesterday, it was disclosed yesterday, it raised immediate new questions in legal and congressional circles about the necessity for the subsequent raid on Monday of this week, including whether the judge who approved the warrant knew of the earlier cooperation. The more we learn, the more confusing this gets, George Washington University law professor Jonathan Turley said yesterday. Did they relay this history to the magistrate? That, according to these sources, that the president had cooperated. I mean, the idea that he was subject to a subpoena, complied with that subpoena, didn't challenge it, voluntarily showed the storage room to the agents, followed their advice, secured it to meet their demands. All of that is hardly a basis for saying now, we need to send in 40 FBI agents on a raid. I mean, if the subpoena worked the first time, presumably a second subpoena would work the second time if they if there were remaining documents. Representative Claudia Tinney of New York, she said yesterday that Trump mentioned to her Tuesday night the prior cooperation and that she viewed the raid as an effort at nullifying his future for the presidency in 2024 if he decides to do it. Look, this is exactly what people, the public, are seeing. A two-tier justice system. This is impeachment four, she said. And she's talking about his two impeachments and the January 6th hearings that preceded the raid. So this flurry of cooperation with the DOJ, the FBI in June, it all came months after Trump had already returned about 15 boxes of documents. Many of them were classified at the request of the National Archives. Government officials have said those documents were mistakenly boxed up by the GSA, the General Services Administration along with Trump's personal possessions from the White House and shipped to Mar-a-Lago. He didn't even take them. The GSA, Government Services Administration, they're the ones that sent them to Mar-a-Lago. After the subpoena was delivered in late May, federal authorities said they suspected there were more classified materials still left at Mar-a-Lago and arranged the June 3rd visit. After the middle of June, the government had no other official contacts with the president's lawyers until agents showed up unannounced on Monday, executed the search warrant, ousting the president's lawyers and staff, and spending nine hours collecting evidence. Sources said they collected 12 boxes of evidence. By the way, nobody was there to catalog the things they took. Now, former President Trump did exactly what I would have done in that particular case. That's very unusual. There is always 
a record kept, itemized, ad nauseum of any documents or any materials that the Department of Justice, the FBI, take in a situation like this. This is the 45th president of the United States, and they did what they did and didn't bother to document any of the stuff they took. Sound a little fishy to you? Yeah. If it quacks and if it waddles, it's probably a duck. I was going to wait till later in the show to do this. But the more I talk about what I just told you that came out overnight, as factual, that, what I just told you, is verified and double verified. That is the facts about how this process happened. Dan Bongino went off last night. I have my issues with Bongino sometimes. I got to be honest with you. And, and he may get this word out there. Dan, I love you. I, I'm very appreciative of the work that you did in the military, New York City, Secret Service. And you've got a huge following of Americans that love the way you speak. And I listen to your show. I hope you won't get mad when I say this, but sometimes I just don't like the way you talk. Here's uh, Bongino. You decide for yourself. Let's go to Dan Bongino, the host of Unfiltered on Saturday nights. Dan, your quick emotional reaction. I think everyone's a little emotional here uh, about this raid. Yeah, I mean, you think this is some third world bullshit right here. Let me say it again. Third world bullshit. I mean, every word of that. I don't care that it's cable news. I was a federal agent. I raised my right hand. And I swore to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. And I love this country. This is a freaking disgrace. A disgrace. We don't live in Cuba. We don't live under Kim Jong-un. We live in a constitutional republic, a representative democracy. You have a bunch of FBI agents raiding the home of a former president because they don't like his politics? Are you kidding me? You've spent this whole show, Jesse, and I've spent my entire time either on Fox or on my podcast exposing the left for claiming Russia interfered in an election as Hillary Clinton played, paid off a bunch of foreign agents, her team literally to fabricate a story that occupied the nation for four years. What's she doing right now? Getting a manicure in freaking Chappaqua. She's not doing squat. Nothing. Hunter Biden is having sex on tape while doing crack, while doing crack. And what is he doing? He's living in a Malibu mansion. And yet the president, the former president, who whether you agree with him or not on his claims about the election, whether you agree or not, we still live in a country where you were allowed to challenge an election. There's even a process, the ECA, the Electoral Count Act. You may not like it. But it's a process. How do I know it's a process? Because some people are trying to reform it. You may not like it, but now you send the FBI. Let me tell you something. I have been I have paid due deference to the FBI for a long time. And a lot of listeners didn't like it because I work with some very good people over there who have since retired. The management of the FBI has now shredded any single shred sliver of credibility this agency had left. 
Nobody will take them seriously from this point on. It is over. You've heard the examples. Stone, Manafort, Cohen, over and over. Are they good guys? Are they bad guys? I don't know. I don't care. I don't know them. All I'm telling you is you cannot tell me we still live in a constitutional republic and not the freaking third world when you have Hillary Clinton paying foreign agents to interfere with an election, people lying under oath repeatedly, Hunter Biden doing crack on tape. And what happens? Where are the federal agents? They're not in Malibu. They're not in Chappaqua. They're in Mar-a-Lago. This is some third world garbage that happened tonight. And I'm telling you, the FBI management, here's a solution. Last thing. We have now got to win in 2022. You have no choice now, folks. Oh, we don't like the swampy Republicans. I don't like them either. Republicans may not be the solution to your problems, but Democrats are certainly the cause of all your problems right now. If there was ever a clarion call to remove your ass from the seat and go vote in 2022, this is it. Hey, Dan, how do you really feel? Uh, I, when I heard, when I heard that, I thought of you guys and I said, they got to hear this. They got to hear this. Oh my gosh. Here's, here's what proves how feckless Merrick Garland is. I'm so glad he did not get confirmed as a United States Supreme Court justice. Can you imagine him sitting on the bench? The way he's acting now or not acting as attorney general? Oh my gosh, Merrick Garland, not a peep out of the Department of Justice about this. Not a peep. Christopher Wray, FBI director, I mean, he's like a stone statue when he last week appeared before the Senate Judiciary Committee, supposedly to ask and get questions answered. And what was his response on almost every question that he was asked, especially the important ones? Uh, I'm not allowed to speak about an ongoing investigation. Well, Mr. Ray, does that mean you're confirming there is an ongoing investigation? Well, I'm not allowed to respond on whether or not there's an investigation going on. Well, Mr. Attorney General, Mr. Uh, FBI director, then why would you say what you just said? Uh, I can't respond to what I just said. (laughs) You know why they're not saying anything. They don't have a clue what to say. And it turns out more and more it, it, I would tell you this is factual. It's almost a hundred percent factual. In fact, come back tomorrow. I'll have the answer for sure. The reason they're not speaking is because the FBI and the Department of Justice weren't on the same page about this, and apparently the DOJ was not told the FBI was going to raid Mar-a-Lago on Monday. Now, just put that possibility in your peace pipe and smoke it during this break. Think about that. The Department of Justice, the FBI is part of the Department of Justice, Everybody in that organization answers to the guy at the top, the one that he's busy. Well, what's he doing? How busy is he? He's going after school board parents. You know, those domestic terrorists. And he didn't mean any of this to happen. It just happened. Maybe he can go home and bars one of Joe's sippy cups and take an extra 
long nap this afternoon. When playing football, you run up to 120 pitches. You work out 650 muscles. You withstand three times your body weight. You treble your adrenaline production. You raise your heartbeat to 180 times per minute. And in the end, you lose up to three liters of sweat for one goal. This game is not a game. Gatorade works with no artificial colors or sweeteners. Thirst, can I try out a few Coke summer sound effects on you? Yes. Cool. You okay with this? Yes. And this? Yes. And what about this? Gotcha there, Thirst. That wasn't sound effects. That was a Coke. I'm no longer thirsty. You're so out of here. Coca-Cola. Open happiness. You love chocolate. Mmm, chocolate. You love M&M's. Oh, yes. But your tastes have grown up, and you're just not wild about super sweet milk chocolate. So you've been avoiding M&M's. Yeah. Well, fear no more. Huh? M&M's Dark Chocolate to the Rescue. My heroes! M&M's Dark Chocolate Candies. Available wherever fine candies are sold. Could switching to GEICO really save you 15% or more on car insurance? Did the little piggy cry wee 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 all the way home? You're home. Oh, cool. Thanks, Mrs. A. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Fake news, spin, anger, violence. How do you sort through the chaos? You tune in to TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. Looking ahead at the weekend, I know, I know. This is just Thursday, Dan, but the weekend's coming up. You're getting ready for back to school. You're getting ready for fall. We've got football coming back. Oh, my gosh. I can't wait. You're going to be busy. Don't miss our Saturday bullet points. Do you know that last Saturday we had over a quarter of a million people read this story? In fact, what it happens, how it works out, is a lot of you read them that day on that Saturday. But a lot of people read it through the weekend. So the number of readers on Saturday and Sunday, a couple of hundred thousand people. People just catching up, wanting to make sure they don't miss anything important. So it goes live at 1.45 a.m. Saturday morning. You might want to wait up so you're the first one, one to read the stories. But what we do, we go back and grab the big stories of the week. We put them in a format, a bullet point format, so you get a couple of sentences that describe the, the full story. You may have already heard all the details, so you, you just go on to the next bullet point. But if you want some details, you click on that little blue arrow at the end of those descriptive sentences, bam, you go to a full story and you get all the details that you didn't get during the week. It's our Saturday bullet points at truthnewsnet.org. Now I'm going to blow your mind. We know who's at fault for this Mar-a-Lago raid on Monday. How do we know? Because officials at the top of the Department of Justice and at the top of the FBI are telling us. 
What are they saying, Dan? Well, if you're at the top of the FBI, you're blaming the Department of Justice. And if you're at the Department of Justice, you're blaming the FBI. I'm serious. They're pointing fingers and accusing each other today. Senior U.S. Department of Justice officials this morning are blaming FBI Director Christopher Wray for the raid. And leaders in Congress are just going absolutely crazy. They want Merrick Garland's head and Christopher Wray's head on a platter. One source told Newsweek this, I know it's hard for people to believe, but this was a matter for the U.S. attorney and the FBI. It really is a case of the Bureau misreading the impact. So, although that quote-unquote source in the Department of Justice, anonymous source, I hate him, I hate him, I hate him. Although that source did claim that Christopher Ray gave the final go-ahead, Newsweek yesterday reported Attorney General Merrick Garland was, quote, regularly briefed on the investigation into Trump, and he knew about the grand jury and what material federal prosecutors were looking for. However, the source insisted this, Garland had no prior knowledge of the date and the time of the specific raid nor was he asked to approve it. Now, I want you to think the way I think here for just a few minutes. And I know if my wife is listening, she's not here. Uh, <laughs> she's somewhere out in Netherland. She will concur that I have a very roundabout way of um, determining things when there are facts out there. Here's what happened. Christopher Ray did this solo. Now what makes you think that? What did we learn over the last three weeks regarding investigations and guarding, uh, regarding our, uh, our Department of Justice agencies and things going on there? What did we learn? What did Christopher Ray learn? Well, Three weeks ago, it came out that there are a multitude of whistleblowers in the FBI. They are going live with members of Congress, members of those senators on the Senate Judiciary Committee. And they're spilling their beans about stuff going on in the FBI that in many cases or illegal. Some of those things we're told have to do with plants that were made by the FBI and put in those quote-unquote insurrectionists on January 6th in 2020. We already know they're there. We've seen them just like the FBI and everybody else saw. We've seen them on video, ad nauseum. They're all over it. They named everybody except those people. And not a single one of them has been arrested. Why? Because they're FBI plants. That is a fact. So, what is the historical way leaders in the FBI 
take care of themselves and others at their level, up high. You know, assistance, FBI associate, those kind of positions. What do they do? They want you to watch Donald Trump standing up on television waving his left arm really fast while they are going around behind trying to deflect the attention of the American people from what those whistleblowers have already spilled to certain members in the U.S. Congress behind closed doors. You can bet your last dollar that has a lot. If it's not the sole cause, it's a very big part of the determination made by Christopher Ray to authorize that raid Monday on Mar-a-Lago. Not to get anything specific because they already knew what was there. They would have been there a long time before this. They did it to deflect our attention away from themselves, the FBI. I said it from the very beginning. When Donald Trump fired James Comey, he thought Christopher Ray was going to be the obvious replacement. I said it from the beginning. He's a bureaucrat. He would be, and he has been, the sorriest selection that Donald Trump made in appointing anybody in the Department of Justice. And that, that includes Attorney General Jeff Sessions, who was a longtime lifer in the U.S. Senate, a Republican from Alabama, a really good guy, but he sucked as a as an FBI director, Department of Justice overseer guy. He was not a good AG. Things just keep piling up, folks. More and more information out there. We get more and more and more. So what does Christopher Ray do, FBI director? What does he do yesterday? Did he come out and make any statement about it? Nope. Did Merrick Garland, Attorney General, come out and make any statement about it? Nope. Did Joe Biden come out and make any statement about any of it? Nope. Nobody did. That means they're all complicit in it. What did Ray do? In response to various threats, I love this, threats are circulating online. Christopher Ray told the Associated Press last night, violence against law enforcement is not the answer. He said, I'm always concerned about threats to law enforcement. Violence against law enforcement is not the answer, no matter who you're upset with. What I just told you were direct quotes. Those equal more than Christopher Ray said when he testified before the Senate Judiciary Committee. <laughs> He's got... He's got it down. I know nothing. <laughs> and, and I believe that. Nearly all Republicans and former President Trump supporters denounced the raid as a blatant power grab by the Biden Justice Department and liking it to a third world dictator. And I agree. And then Chris Ray comes out and he, oh, violence, no violence, no violence after threats were made. This is so stinking obviously. It's not a big coup or anything like that, folks. It is stupidity at the highest level. 
We shouldn't be surprised when stuff like this happens in the Biden administration. I mean, I got to be honest with you. I'm going to say something with all respect. You people know that I believe in authority. I believe in accountability. I believe in respecting government people that uh, are elected or appointed because they are supposedly the best fits for whoever is sitting in the White House. I, 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 I 100% support the process. But the guy that sits atop the heap in the White House has a very speckled record in his history about making stupid decisions about a lot of really bad people. Accountability comes in there. Somebody, somebody I really like who's in the Senate, and I can see him someday running for president. That's Missouri U.S. Senator Josh Hawley. He was on with Tucker Carlson last night. Folks, this guy, he's got a great voice, and he speaks really well. He went postal. He didn't go quite as far as Bongino did, but Josh Hawley with Tucker, he roasted the DOJ and the FBI. Josh Hawley is a Missouri senator and member of the Judiciary Committee, and he joins me now. I mean, this is disgusting, what's going on here. You couldn't have a more disgusting little plot to hatch this raid. Well, Jesse, this judge seems like he's a rabid partisan from what we're learning, but I lay the real blame for this at the feet of the FBI, the DOJ, Merrick Garland, and Joe Biden. And speaking of Merrick Garland, where the heck is he, by the way? I mean, has he even been seen in public? Is he alive? I mean, this is a guy who needs to come forward right now. He needs to publish the warrant. He needs to publish the list of everything they took from the president. He needs to explain how in the world he authorized this. Because I can tell you, Jesse, this is a serious, serious breach of the rule of law, which is why Garland needs to go. And if he won't resign, he ought to be impeached. So if you seize boxes from a guy's private house and you don't let any lawyers watch what you're doing, isn't that tainted evidence? I mean, couldn't they just say, oh, look what, look what I found. <laughs> oh, look what I found. Trump had this in the box. I mean, that, that's, there's no chain of custody, right? You toss that. Yeah, and I'd like to know what it was they were looking for in the first place. I mean, this is why Garland owes the American people an explanation. And frankly, so does Joe Biden, because I don't believe for a minute, not for a minute, that the White House was totally in the dark on this. This is Joe Biden's FBI. It is Joe Biden's DOJ. And they have weaponized this FBI at every turn. They sent it after parents and called them domestic terrorists. This is an administration that tried to set up a disinformation board to police the speech of Americans who questioned the vaccine, who had questions about masks. This is an administration that is totally, totally out of control. And I tell you, it will take a long time to repair the basic constitutional norms and democratic norms here that this administration is trampling. But Jesse, what this makes clear to me above all is that though our constitutional framework of government is strong, and I believe that, we have deep, deep corruption in our government. Deep corruption. Yeah, you got to pull it out from the roots. we're going to have to make it a focus to root it out. And, and I'm glad you're on the show. And I haven't seen a lot of other Republicans out there saying anything. Are you guys on vacation? I feel like you guys are missing a huge opportunity to really stand up against this injustice. 
You know, I, I agree that this is a time to stand and be heard. And listen, what the administration wants to do here clearly is they want this just all to be swept under the rug. It's why they won't answer questions. It's why the president is off on vacation. It's why Garland hasn't been seen in public. It's why they won't say anything. There needs to be real accountability here. And that's why I say not just a slap on the wrist, not just another hearing. We've had those. They just come and lie and obfuscate. Garland needs to be impeached and he needs to be removed. And we're gonna have to look at the FBI top to bottom and that's just the beginning. Yeah, you can't send FBI agents into Michelle Obama's bedroom and then say nothing and go on vacation for two weeks and act like everything is normal. It cannot happen if that was the other way. All right, Senator, thanks for joining us. I thought the most important thing in that uh, diatribe there, Josh Hawley said it at the beginning of it, he used the I word very demonstratively if Merrick Garland won't resign, he needs to be impeached. That's that's not something that you hear Josh Hawley or other conservatives throwing out very often. They've been through that. They, they watched Donald Trump get impeached twice successfully. Articles of impeachment were passed in, in the House and sent over to the Senate. They had a Senate trial. He was exonerated in both cases, but that's a big deal to impeach somebody. And Josh Hawley, he's not normally an emotional guy. When he speaks, it's very factual. It's very bam, 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 structured. And what you just heard was very structured, but he made it very clear. He doesn't beat around the bush. We need to demand the attorney general resign. And if he refuses to resign, we just need to take matters in our own hands after after the midterm elections. Hopefully the House is going to win control by the Republicans. The same thing happening in the Senate, and then they can do whatever they want to. We will never hear the end of this story. It's going to keep coming back and coming back and coming back. And then there's Melania's closet. Do you realize there are FBI agents out there that now, today, know what kind of underwear Melania Trump wears? That's crazy. Real truth, real news. TNN, the Truth News Network. Dear Daddy, dear Mom, I love you. I miss you. Every year, Snowball Express honors the children of fallen soldiers. Hi, everybody. I'm Tony Orlando. Join me in proudly supporting Snowball Express a nonprofit that creates opportunities to help heal the children of our fallen heroes. We can never repay the sacrifice our soldiers have made, but we can honor them by giving back to their children. Donate now at snowballexpress.org. Northern Tool and Equipment. My girlfriend has given me a pet name. I'm afraid to ask. Snuggle Muffin. No, it isn't. And she uses it in public. Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky. I couldn't do that. I see. Too harsh for snuggle muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200 mile per hour cordless sleep blower. Got it. Here she comes. Hey, snuggle muffin. What are you doing, snuggle? Snuggle. I am so out of here. Wait. Come back, Thunder Chunky. There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Northern Tool and Equipment. Telling the truth, the mainstream media doesn't want you to hear. Dan Newman, TNN, The Truth News Network. Again, here's Dan. 
Hey, believe it or not, Jill Biden, before she got on Air Force One, she got in the conversation. President Joe Biden is so off the mark in handling his many challenges that have defined his presidency that even his wife thinks he's failed. That's according to author and radio commentator Cal Thomas, who believes it's time for Biden to prepare for a dignified departure. Thomas recalled a speech the First Lady Jill Biden gave in July to a private group of Democrat donors in Nantucket in an op-ed with the tension-grabbing headline, Jill to Joe, It's Over. Jill told about two dozen donors at a DNC fundraiser she had to be the first lady of the moment because of everything Joe Biden had thrown at him. The president had so many hopes and plans for things he wanted to do, she said, but every time he turned around, he had to address the problems of the moment. He's just had so many things thrown his way, she said. Who would have ever thought about what happened when the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade? Well, maybe we saw it coming, she clarified, but still we didn't believe it. Gun violence in this country is absolutely appalling. We didn't see the war in Ukraine. Notice the use of the past tense, Cal Thomas said, which is telling. And he contends none of it was true. All of this is false. Vladimir Putin signaled his intention to invade Ukraine far in advance. The decision on Roe was leaked weeks before the formal announcement. Gun violence in major cities preceded the Biden administration. According to Cal Thomas, the issue is not that Biden has had so many things thrown at him, but he's incapable of handling the challenges of the job of president. The problem that is only now speaking its name is that the president of the United States appears to have dropped the ball, is a little too slow off the mark in dealing with the challenges of the presidency. It isn't just Republicans saying it. Cal Thomas notes, columnists with the New York Times, the Washington Post, are questioning whether Biden should run for a second term. A recent New York Times-CNN college poll found 64% of Democrats would prefer another nominee. Biden has served his purpose by keeping Donald Trump from winning a second term. Now many Democrats want to discard him like an empty paper bag. At least the paper bag can be recycled. (laughs) Biden can't. Think about that, folks. Nothing exists in a vacuum. Everything's related. Everything's related. I promised at the beginning of the show I was going to tell you about that IRS job listing. Yeah, listen to this. The listing for the positions of, uh, here's what those 87,000 IRS agents are going to be titled as. IRS Criminal Investigation Special Agents. So they're already advertising for employees, looking for people to fill these spots. The job listing says this. This is a direct quote. As a special agent, you will combine your accounting skills with law enforcement skills to investigate financial crimes. Special agents are duly sworn law enforcement officers who are trained to follow the money. I thought that was from the Jerry Maguire movie. <laughs> no, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Back to that job listing. 
no matter what the source, all income earned, both legal and illegal, has the potential of becoming involved in crimes which fall within the investigative jurisdiction of the IRS criminal investigation. Because of the expertise required to conduct these complex financial investigations, IRS special agents are considered the premier financial investigators for the federal government. And it goes on to describe special agent major duties, which include carrying a firearm and being willing to use deadly force if necessary. Applicants for this gig must also be willing and able to participate in arrest, execution of search warrants, and other dangerous assignments. Back in June, Matt Gates, congressman, a Republican from Florida, his concerns over the IRS's purchase of about $700,000 of ammunition between March and June of this year. Gates said, there's concern this is part of a broader effort to have any entity in the federal government buy up ammo to reduce the amount of ammo that is in supply, while at the same time making it harder to produce ammo. On August 3rd, Representative Laura Boeber, a Republican from Congress, she tweeted and she echoed Gates' concern over the ammo purchases. The IRS bought nearly 700000 in ammo earlier this year, which begs the questions, why do their agents need guns to do their job, and who are the IRS arming their agents against? Think about that. Two months into Barack Obama's second term, Department of Homeland Security's stockpile of over 1.6 billion rounds of ammo was revealed 1.6 billion rounds of ammo. DHS has that. At the time, this is in 2013, documents indicated DHS had 1.6 billion rounds stockpiled as of spring of 2012 and had recently ordered over 20 million more rounds. Now, just a point of information. Most of those rounds were 9mm or 40 caliber, both of which are extremely popular rounds with civilian gun owners. I've got 9mm handguns. I've got 40 caliber handguns. When Gates commented on this year's approximately 700 grand ammunition purchased by the IRS, he hinted at a scenario, a possible scenario, where federal entities buy up ammo, put citizens in a place where the exercise of the Second Amendment is limited due to their inability to get ammo. Gates painted a really dire scenario where the government reduces ammunition production and, on the other hand, soaks up the supply of it. I really thought that was interesting. I thought you'd be interested in it, too. I told you we were going to hear from Donald Trump's attorney, the only one that was allowed to even be on the, the, the site at all on Monday. Her name is Lindsay Halligan, and overnight last night she appeared on Fox News, and uh, she gave her explanation of what she watched happen and what it had to be about. 
Here with more, Trump attorney who was blocked from viewing the search at Mar-a-Lago, Lindsay Halligan is with us. Lindsay, thank you for being with us. Let's talk about that day. Let's talk about the FBI arriving. What happened? Hi, Mr. Hannity. Uh, so I arrived around 11 a.m. and there were about 30 to 40 FBI agents that I saw, five of which were wearing suits. The rest were in uh, cargo pants, masks and gloves, and they basically had unfettered access to the property. They refused to talk to me, refused to let me in. All I knew is that they were uh, searching areas one, two and three, which I understood to be the former president's bedroom, uh, his office, and a storage room. And other than that, we were not allowed to talk to them or go inside at all. Did you ever get a chance to read the warrant? Did you ever get a copy of it? Did you ever get any other information? Do you know, are you aware of what they took out of Mar-a-Lago? That's the thing. Uh, they had unfettered access to the property. They looked at God knows what in there and did God knows what in there. We have no idea. Uh, what the FBI did was an appalling display of abuse of power. All documents requested were previously handed over. President Trump and his team painstakingly reviewed every single document at Mar-a-Lago and gave the government what they requested. If they and, needed and any other documents, they could have just asked. And the warrant was uh, secured under seal. So they tried to get away with concealing this overreach by obtaining a warrant uh, under seal. Nobody knew about it. They knew that President Trump was in Bedminster and hasn't been at Mar-a-Lago for some time. They thought they could sneak in, snoop around without attorneys present in case they walked out with nothing. So nobody would know that they overreached to this degree. And it's unprecedented in, in United States history. Uh, the government seems to be out of control. It's plagued with manipulation, corruption, greed, deceit, and fraud. And yet the National Archives praised uh, the, the working relationship that you had back in February. And my understanding is they were there as recently as June, and they were the ones that requested the padlock on, on one particular door where there was some documents that they could have taken with them that day? Correct, yes. That was when they came to the property and... Uh, they went through documents, to my understanding. They requested that a padlock be put on the door, and then they broke through that padlock uh, just the other day. You know, we have a sitting U.S. president whose son has committed a myriad of felonies, a speaker of the House whose husband drove a car under the influence of alcohol and drugs with a concealed, undisclosed passenger in the car, a secret list of undisclosed powerful people that visited Epstein's Island and did God knows what to underage women, and none of whose liberties have been infringed upon like President Trump's and his family's. Simply put, it seems that under the Biden administration, the government conceals what it wants to, the government does what it wants to, and American citizens need to protect uh, their country from its government. Lindsay, anything else you'd want the American people to know? You were there that day. What should they know? Anything else? Well, if we're thinking about the future, I'd like to just say that the Biden administration has united Americans against its administration. And it has this this instant has ironically created bipartisanship on this issue because no American, whether Democrat or Republican, wants an overreaching Department of Justice. We even see Andrew Cuomo and Andrew Yang speaking out about this. Uh, the silence of the Biden administration and the FBI is deafening. Americans are listening and watching.
Andrew Cuomo weighs in on anything that might be considered in just a little small part being a conservative thought, that'll tell you something. This whole thing, it not only stinks, but it it was absolutely an imbecilic operation to even consider doing, yet alone making it happen. And we finish our coverage today of Mar-a-Lago. We're going to go right to the really important stuff. What? Oh, what? is in Melania Trump's closet. Every human being on earth, well, maybe half of the human beings on earth, the men, want to know what's in Melania Trump and what the FBI could have possibly been looking for in her closet. According to the New York Post, the feds asked for security cameras to be turned off during the raid. Employees refused. Good for them. Trump and his team now questioning whether they planted evidence. I don't know about that. They're theorizing whether an inside source tipped off the FBI. I believe that. Are those things possible? Joining me to discuss former FBI special agent John Yannarelli. Uh, Welcome to the show, sir. Hi. Thank you, Kennedy. Good to be here. Uh, So tell me what strikes you about this and, you know, the, the urgency of doing this now, even though there had been ongoing talks. What do you think they were looking for? I find it strange with the urgency because, yes, there were ongoing talks, and I understand talks broke down. What a shocker. Attorneys not agreeing with one another. That disagreement stuff happens all the time in cases like this, and you continue talking. The FBI would have put a warrant together with the concurrence of DOJ if they thought something was going to happen. Say there was classified information that they believed was suddenly going to be made public. Barring that, it's unimaginable to me that they would have executed a warrant like this on such a high-profile individual. But what kind of classified information? You know, we were talking about aliens at the top of the show. It has to be something massive. You know, all of a sudden the FBI is falling all over itself to make sure they get their hands on classified information. That's rich. They've let quite a few things pass uh, from other presidential hopefuls, non-presidents like Hillary Clinton. Well, and what my concern here is it takes time to put a warrant of this magnitude together. You have to write the affidavit. You have to write the warrant. You have to get a judge to approve it. This wasn't thrown together in a matter of days. My feeling is that with direction from high above, whether it's the FBI or DOJ, get your ducks in a row because we want a search warrant. It's a matter of when the opportunity would arise to give them the right to have that search warrant. I'm concerned that this was long planned and not based on necessity. It doesn't sound like it. If this is months in the making and, you know, uh, the the precedence has been 60 days before a national election, uh, you know, you don't have ongoing investigations like this that might have political ramifications. We're 89 days out from uh, the midterms in November. So are, are they rushing to do this before then? And if that's the case, then it is politically motivated. And that is so wrong. 
And this political motivation that we're seeing in the FBI is coming from way up at the top. The rank and file agents you mentioned earlier, they want to do the right job. They want to do what they're trained to do, but they're being directed and pushed by other places. And yes, I believe there's people, including the Department of Justice, that want things for political reasoning, whereas the FBI needs to be nonpartisan. They need to be nonpolitical to be able to do their job. Especially after uh, James Comey and and Peter Strzok and the rest of them uh, were so vocally hyperpartisan, they they have to be nonpartisan. And I agree with Tom McClintock's assessment that senior leadership there has to go. You know, this is all kinds of wrong. Like, why are they in the former first lady's closet? Do you really think that they've got Bigfoot scalp stashed there? Well, in fairness to the FBI, when you conduct a search, you search everywhere that's reasonable because you just never know. Bedrooms, closets, the office, obviously, the basement, those are the normal places people keep things, and that's what the FBI would normally search. I don't find that unusual. Do you think uh, we're ever going to know what really happened here? I think we're going to see some information come out that will indicate to us why this all took place. We haven't seen the affidavit, Kennedy. We need to know what's in the affidavit that supported this warrant so that we can have a better understanding. What I don't understand is why are they delaying the release of this information, the Department of Justice delaying? The American people, half of the country, need to have the confidence in the government that they certainly lack right now. Absolutely. It's more than half the country. You know, faith in institutions, uh, it has eroded, and and that's not a good thing for the republic. Uh, John, thank you for your time and expertise. I appreciate it. So, why did they go after Melania's closet, James Posey, (laughs) during that break? He sent me a picture. The title in the picture is FBI agents after they raided Melania's closet. And it's a picture of probably 15 or 20 so-called FBI agents, and they're all dressed in gorgeous gowns, (laughs) dresses, and hats that look like, hey, these could have come from Melania's closet. So there's the answer. They went into the closet to get some of Melania's clothes for themselves. Oh my gosh, I know that's kind of comical, but it's almost as comical as this entire thing is. Really, that's the last story we're gonna do. <laughs> we're gonna do on Mar-a-Lago and what happened there Monday. It's it's gonna continue to develop. It's gonna be beat up and beat up and beat up in the news for a long, long time. Let me tell you what it did. This is a prediction, but let me tell you, in my opinion, exactly what it did. It galvanized. It galvanized tens of millions of Americans right there. Independents especially. People that were waffling about, I don't know about Donald Trump coming back and running again. They, most of them, are now galvanized against the United States Department of Justice and Merrick Garland, the Attorney General, and of course, Christopher Wray and the FBI. I think Donald Trump could run right now against, I don't know, George Washington, and he would probably win. Why? Americans really are more cognitive and understanding than 
some of these desperate politicians think that we are. Many, 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 many Americans. Let me just say this. They look at the Mueller investigation. It was a witch hunt. They all know it was a witch hunt. They thought it before, but when it ended and there was nothing there that implicated Donald Trump in anything, something in their minds went ding, 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 ding. It was a mark. It was a a marker that was just laying back there. And then impeachment number one, impeachment number two, the January 6th investigation, which is all about trying to keep Trump from running again. And then this, let me just tell you this. I think this by itself will cement a second term for Donald Trump in 2024, and anybody that decides to run against him will be slaughtered in the election results. That's my opinion. I went out way, way early, way back in 2015, before anybody gave any credibility to a Donald Trump attempt to be elected president. I predicted, and it published Donald Trump will be the 45th president of the United States. And I got laughed at. I got to be honest with you. (laughs) I'm still getting laughed at. Nevertheless, I think uh, when all the dust settles here, there's not going to be any there there. It's just going to be somebody dropped the ball. Somebody wanted to play politics. They're saying it was somebody from within the Trump organization told the FBI about something sinister being contained there at Mar-a-Lago. All of these stories are going to continue to happen. But what's important, folks, is what's happening to you and every other American. And this is important. I'm not diminishing it anyway. But they'll get it resolved. What's got to happen is the rest of our lives. Job reports out today. You're not going to like this. I've got that for you next. Have you heard about Blank Slate yet? It's the best board game. In fact, Blank Slate has quickly become the new favorite with everybody around here. It's very simple. Unlike other games, no one gets embarrassed. Blank Slate is all about having fun, right? That's what we want. It's perfect for when you get the fam together or play with friends online because it's a game that everyone can get into. And if you need proof, just check out any of the hundreds of five-star reviews. It's basically selling out. So get Blank Slate now at Target. Barnes & Noble, or wherever you buy games. What can milk do? Well, it can turn you into a morning person. It can help fuel some pretty tough stuff. And it can definitely make cartoons funnier. No, it can't. Oh, well, it can have a little edge. But come on, even kitties love it. It'll keep up with you at any age. It makes engines whir and creme brulee cremey. It's one of the easiest labels you'll ever read. And anything that makes this happen is pretty special. In fact, what can't milk do? I pass through the trees. I leave behind the mountains. I weave in the air. I fly over the birds. And I wish when I complete my journey, I leave behind a better world. Honda Civic Hybrid, India's first hybrid car with IV Tech engine, leave behind a better world. Right here in New York City, 
With the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra-wideband. It will change your phone and how businesses do everything. I'm proud because we didn't build it the easy way. We built it right. This is the 5G America's been waiting for. Only from Verizon. 5G ultra-wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G nationwide available in 1,800 plus cities. Jobs are really a big deal. Job reports, unemployment, also a really big deal. The fact that we don't have a sufficient number of people that are actually employed today. And I still can't understand this. And the economists aren't giving us any real answers that are credible to me anyway, of why there are so many Americans sitting on their butts at home. The number of us Americans that file for unemployment benefits It ticked up last week, and it's hit the highest level in nine months. The latest sign that historically tight labor market is starting to cool off. Figures released by the Labor Department show the application for the week ending August 6th rose 262,000 from the downwardly revised 248,000 recorded a week earlier. That's above the 2019 pre-pandemic average of 218,000. Continuing claims are the ones that those are the Americans who are consecutively receiving unemployment aid. That went up to 1.428 million for the week ending July 30th. That's up 8,000 from the previous week's revised level. A year ago, nearly 13 million Americans were getting unemployment benefits. For months now, Our labor market has been one of the few bright spots in our economy. July jobs reports showed that the unemployment rate fell to 3.5%. That's the lowest level since February of 2020, the month after Joe Biden became president. And that was before the COVID-19 pandemic shut down a broad swath of our economy. There are signs that the labor market is beginning to weaken with a bunch of companies including Alphabet's Google, Walmart, Apple, Meta, Microsoft, announcing hiring freezes or layoffs during the last couple of weeks. There's a lot of fear out there now that our economy is on the cusp of or already in a recession as a result of the Federal Reserve's war on inflation. The Fed is raising interest rates at the fastest pace in 40 years as it's trying to cool consumer prices. Those climbed 8.5% last month, a big decline from June, but still near a multi-decades high. Policymakers approved another mega-sized 75 basis point rate hike. That's tripled the usual size when they met in July and have since signaled they're nowhere near ending this interest rate height cycle despite signs of a slowdown in the economy. This is, just to be honest with you, this is kind of spooky. This is something you don't want to ever hear about. But it's out there and it's real and we're dealing with it. You're dealing with it. And there's no way to hide it. 
don't try to, you know, put it in the closet and forget about it. You need to wade into it because you're in the middle of it and you need to figure out how to handle going through this. We're going to do it together. We'll keep it all together and keep you informed with real information. Something I have popped up overnight I thought was very interesting. There's a legal group that has sent several requests to the National Archives and Records Administration. It's short is NARA. And they're looking for records related to Hunter Biden during Joe Biden's vice presidency. America First Legal, which is led by former senior member of the Trump administration, filed three separate FOIA requests, Freedom of Information Acts, to NARA. The nonprofit is asking for a big variety of information related to all those who had financial relationships with Hunter Biden and James Biden in connection with their business dealings overseas. Also, White House visits by them both, and also then Vice President Biden's communications with Hunter and James, his brother. America First Legal, we are told, will use every resource at our disposal to oppose and ultimately overcome this lawless, autocratic, malicious third world corruption. That's a statement made by Stephen Miller, president of AFL, former senior advisor for former President Trump. Civilization is on the line, he said. The DOJ probe into Hunter Biden's domestic and foreign dealings has reached a critical juncture. At least that's what CNN is saying. The investigation, which is being conducted by the attorney, U.S. attorney, David Weiss in Delaware, it was launched all the way back in 2018, is now centered around Hunter's alleged tax and foreign lobbying violations and alleged involvement in a 2018 gun incident. AFL is notably asking NARA for all communications between Joe and Hunter through the Biden son's email for Rosemont Seneca Partners, an investment firm that he co-founded. It's also seeking records related to individuals such as Devin Archer, Yi Jinming, and Patrick Ho, who were involved financially in Ukraine and China with both Hunter and James. Archer served on the board of Burisma Holdings with Hunter Biden. He was sentenced to roughly one year in prison in May after defrauding the Oglala Sioux tribe of about $60 million. That's according to court documents. Xi Ming and Ho were involved with CEFC China Energy, which is now a defunct Chinese conglomerate that paid $4.8 million to entities managed by Hunter and James. And that comes from the Washington Post. That bastion of journalistic integrity. We believe everything WAPO tells us, right? The American people deserve answers about Joe's use of his office while he was VP to advance the financial and other interests of his family. The DOJ was asked about this yesterday, and guess what? They did not reply. Oh, my gosh. They don't answer to anybody. They're supposed to answer to the United States Congress, who has oversight of all of these agencies, and they don't. 
They're arrogant when they come sit down. Christopher Ray, I just want to reach through my television when he's testifying and slap him. Just kind of, come on, Jim. Come on now. What about all of those Republicans, 10 House Republicans who voted to impeach Trump? You know, every two years they run for re-election. What happened to them? Representative Jamie Herrera Butler from Washington became the latest Republican who impeached former Trump to lose her primary bid. She conceded on Tuesday night a week after her primary in Washington state. Herrera Butler was one of 10 House Republicans to join every Democrat in voting to impeach Trump. And it was for the the first one, incitement of insurrection. I'm sorry, this is with the second impeachment. Incitement of insurrection related to the January 6th attack on the Capitol. Of course, Trump was acquitted. But Americans remember, we have long memories about the stuff that our lawmakers do when they're supposed to be doing other things for us they promised to do. Trump has used his popularity since to influence races across the country as he's considering a third bid for the White House and has taken a particular interest in removing Republicans who impeached him by endorsing and holding rallies for their challengers. So here's where the the ten stand. The Wyoming Republican, Liz Cheney in particular, Boy, she's drawn the ire of Trump and all of his allies, not just for her impeachment vote, but for her role as vice chairwoman on the House Select Committee investigating January 6th. Her caucus ousted her as conference chairwoman last year. She has been a wildly crazy critic of the former president and those in her party who support him, recently calling the GOP very sick and saying Republicans can either give their loyalties to Trump or the Constitution. Her opponent in her primary, Hageman, Trump went up there and he campaigned for Hageman, also has the support of Representative Elise Stefanik of New York, who became chairwoman of the House Republican Conference. That came after Liz Cheney was ousted from that spot, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, both of whom delivered video addresses at a rally. Cheney and some Democrat lawmakers have encouraged Wyoming Democrats to switch parties for the primary to boost Cheney's chances. Two House Democrats, Representative Dean Phillips of Minnesota, Tom Malinowski of New Jersey, recently cut ads in support of... uh, doing that. They'll do anything to keep a gig. Gonzalez is a former NFL player who was first elected in 2018, announced in September of 2021 that he would not seek a third term to the House, and that was months after impeaching Trump. Less than two months after the president's second impeachment, Trump endorsed his former aide, Max Miller, in his challenge to Gonzalez. Gonzalez's impeachment vote also set off a firestorm among Ohio Republicans, and the Ohio Republican Party Central Committee censured Gonzalez, called for him to resign in May of last year. Days later, he didn't hold back and voted alongside 34 other Republicans to
to establish an independent commission to investigate the events of January 6th. He also voted with a small number of House Republicans to hold Steve Bannon in contempt of Congress for his refusal to cooperate with the House January 6th panel. So, we had Representative Jamie Herrera Butler from Washington. She got popped. Representative John Katko of New York, he's toast. Representative Adam Kinzinger of Illinois, he decided not to run again. I think he uh, he smelled what was out there for him if he did run. Representative Peter Meyer of Michigan, he's toast. Dan Newhouse of Washington, he got bumped. Tom Rice of South Carolina, Fred Upton of Michigan, David Valadeo of California, they all got sent packing, and it has a whole bunch to do with who endorsed them. Donald Trump endorsed them. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Democrats are scared to death of what's ahead. They're petrified of Donald Trump. Why? He is a kingmaker. And it's going to show up in a very demonstrative way in the the midterms, also in the 2024 election, two years down the road. Even if he's not president, and he's not, look at, look at, it's, it's like 180 to 10, his record for his endorsements in these primaries. You know what? I think, I think the, um, the nail in the coffin for all of these people, it's not about them, it's about Donald Trump. And here's what I'm talking about. He's not a typical politician. He doesn't politicize everything. He doesn't talk in circles when he's asked questions, very specific questions about anything. And he does not hold back from saying what he feels about his political opponents, in many cases, what they've done, what they do, and what they're planning to do. And a huge majority of Americans identify with that. They're tired of the pontificating about every little thing. They're tired of hearing their lawmakers that represent them or supposedly represent them being asked questions and they never give a real answer. They tiptoe around it trying to be politically correct and they never go right to the heart and give voters the facts about the answers for those questions. Americans are just sick of it. We're sick of people that do that. Democrats, they have arrested, they've weaponized, they've undermined the American state. They won't be sorry until they start hurting. Think about it. They have arrests that they've gotten and convictions over contempt of Congress. Police enforcement of bureaucratic and relatively obscure archivist laws. FBI raids on former presidents and future political opponents. So in their rage and anger, which we see it every day, the Democrat Congress and this administration, they've written a vicious battle plan. What's in it? Conservatives will do well to follow when they return to power, if they're at all serious about a restoring any semblance of respect for law in our country, they'll learn this. In weeks past, there's little reason to believe conservatives are, but Monday night's raid, 
that might be the coup de grace. Just over a year after President Biden's election, his DOJ arrested Steve Bannon. Remember that? President Trump's former political director. Bannon was arrested for contempt of Congress or refusing to answer a congressional subpoena. So he was convicted last month, and after his conviction, Bannon became the first American to face a prison sentence for contempt of Congress since the House Un-American Activities Committee sent 10 uncooperative suspected Hollywood communists to prison before I was born back in 1948. In the more than 70 years between the Hollywood 10 sentencings and Steve Bannon's conviction, contempt of Congress, it had just devolved into more of a political tool used to investigate the other side, but it hardly ever brought legal conclusions. While Dems tried to prosecute contempt of Congress twice during the Reagan years, the Reagan administration only let one prosecution come to pass in which the defendant was ultimately found innocent of contempt. Decades later, when Republicans tried to bring a similar case against Obama's obstinate AG, Eric Holder, Congress declined to prosecute him, citing executive privilege. And that was about an investigation of a, a, a plan that was instigated by Eric Holder that ended up with two Border Patrol agents down south getting shot and killed by cartels. Holder wouldn't even come testify before Congress about it. Two years later, when Republicans sought answers from the IRS's Lois Lerner over her targeting of political opponents, Eric Holder also declined to prosecute her. Later, when Dems tried to bring criminal contempt charges against Trump's Secretary of Commerce and Attorney General, Bill Barr similarly declined to prosecute him. Criminal enforcement, it's really rare because the reality is Congress can refer who they like, but the administration prosecutes whoever the administration chooses to prosecute. This administration chose to prosecute Steve Bannon. The Biden folks made it clear. They'll prosecute their political opponents every chance they get. That means that despite Republican House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy's threat to hold A.G. Merrick Garland accountable in the next Congress, he will only be empowered to hold Garland accountable under a Republican administration unless he complies with Republican congressional oversight, which he won't. True, arresting an administration official after he's left office is a very dangerous precedent, but it's one Democrats gleefully set this past year. And contempt of Congress, it's far from the only weapon this administration has wielded against their out-of-power opponents. The raid on Donald Trump's home, for example, reportedly centered on his handling of classified information. You know, that came from that Watergate-era Presidential Records Act. While politicians like Hillary have been accused of similar crimes, they're hardly ever, if ever, prosecuted and focus on the most egregious cases only. For example, Bill Clinton's National Security Advisor, Sandy Berger, 
He was prosecuted in 04. What for? Stealing and destroying classified documents on the Clinton administration's handling of terrorism prior to his testimony before the 9-11 Commission. And then there was General David Petraeus. He was charged for sharing classified documents with his mistress. Neither Berger or Petraeus was charged with so much as a felony, instead pled guilty to misdemeanors. Neither Berger nor Petraeus's homes were ever raided, either. Neither man ever served a day in prison. Most importantly, neither was a former president of the opposing party. That's big in this one. Nor was either a potential political opponent in the next general election. That's what makes the FBI's raid of Mar-a-Lago so shocking, so disconcerting that voices from former Democrat New York Governor Andrew Cuomo to the liberal Bloomberg editorial board to D.C. groupthink mouthpiece playbook, they have all announced they're uneasy about this. These liberals' uneasiness stands in contrast with Senate leader Mitch McConnell, who ignored a reporter's Tuesday afternoon question on the subject, didn't issue so much as a peep of concern for the first 24 hours after the raid was publicized. He was joined in his silence by Senate Republican Whip John Thune, Senate Republican Policy Committee Chairman Roy Blunt, and the Senate's premier thoughtful conservative Ben Sass. Why the silence? It's politics, folks. While after five years of increasingly unrealistic and unproven conspiracies and accusations against the former president, some Republicans still somehow trust the FBI. The reality is that others, such as McConnell, are pleased by the raid. But regardless of their private thoughts and motivations, their impotent silence in the face of the Biden administration's charges, arrest, and raids on its political opponents exposes their inability to handle this crisis the American state finds itself in. While over the coming years still other Republicans will talk about this dead norm, or that gutted president, as they hesitate to use the Democrats' own battle plans back on them, one-sided disarmament, it's no strategy at all. The only way to fight back is to make the kinds of people who've weaponized and undermined the American state suffer for their actions. They've arrested their enemies, revived obscure rules as pretext for their partisan attacks, and now they've raided their opponent's home, and they won't be sorry until they've felt the same pain. They are not sorry at all yet. Now, what are you referencing, Dan? I'll, I'll just be blunt. Quid pro quo. I think... It's time for the Republicans, en masse, with the support of the American people. It's time to reach out and say, we've had enough. 
We've had enough. Stop this mess. We've had enough. Wow. Boy, this hour has flown. We still got some important things we need to tell you about. Don't go away. We'll be back after this in just a moment at TNN Live, a production, never forget this, of www.truthnewsnet.org. Truthnewsnet.org. Real truth, real news. TNN, the Truth News Network. Dear Daddy, dear Mom, I love you. I miss you. Every year, Snowball Express honors the children of fallen soldiers. Hi, everybody. I'm Tony Orlando. Join me in proudly supporting Snowball Express, a nonprofit that creates opportunities to help heal the children of our fallen heroes. We can never repay the sacrifice our soldiers have made, but we can honor them by giving back to their children. Donate now at SnowballExpress.org. Northern Tool and Equipment. My girlfriend has given me a pet name. I'm afraid to ask. Snuggle Muffin. No, it isn't. And she uses it in public. Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky. I couldn't do that. I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200-mile-per-hour cordless leaf blower. Got it. Here she comes. Hey, Snuggle Muffin. <laughs> what are you doing, Snuggle... out of here. Wait, come back, Thunder Chunky. There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Northern Tool and Equipment. Telling the truth, the mainstream media doesn't want you to hear. Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. Again, here's Dan. Yesterday, I happened to watch a little bit of uh, Martha McCallum's show. I'm not even sure what time it comes on on Fox News. And as I watched it, she had a guest on, White House Senior Advisor Gene Sperling, and she questioned him over the newly released Consumer Price Index, the CPI. She asked if inflation has peaked and will begin to decline in the near future, given that the CPI did not change from June to July. Sperling responded that although prices are still too high, one month of no change in inflation is a good sign, he said, as prices of car rental, gas prices, and appliances begin to go down. Martha, who's never or very seldom combative, she wasn't going to stop. She just kept going after him. She said inflation remains at historically high rate of 8.5%, and she asked if Americans should expect the CPI to go up again. She pointed out that Sperling and the White House have continually said inflation is transitory. Sperling then claimed that in May and June of last year, literally everybody was projecting that prices were going to go down significantly. No, not everybody, McCallum pushed back. I'm just asking you to own it. You know, just say, here's what I think. I've been dealing with this for years and years. He predicted that the year-over-year inflation rate will be lower but he admitted he can't make any guarantees. She then questioned him on the Inflation Reduction Act. Introduced by Senate Democrat Chuck Schumer of New York, Joe Manchin of West Virginia, and it intends to add those 87,000 IRS agents. Sperling claimed the IRS has been poorly invested in regarding technology and personnel 
impacting the capacity of the effective carrying out of his job. How did that happen, McCallum sarcastically asked. The cost of government goes up and up every year, so why would we be so far behind the eight ball with this technology? Sperling said it's disturbing that audit rates are not hitting those of the wealthiest income brackets allowing them to hide incomes. And so here we get down to the big banana. There is no question this is about greater enforcement and auditing of those who make well over $400,000, he said. It's like a city block, the IRS. I'm just asking, McCallum said, why the people who are already paid to do that job aren't doing that job. Why you have to add so many employees and government keeps growing and growing and we spend more on it every single year and yet you're telling me, oh, it's been falling behind for decades? Sperling said, you have your own TV show. You can offer that opinion. I think most experts, she interrupted him. That government's been growing, she asked. That's a fact. It's not an opinion. Sperling said there's been very minimal investment in the IRS, which has led to a lack of personnel to target those of the highest income brackets using sophisticated tactics to evade taxes. McCallum then compared this administration's effort to increase the size of the IRS to their lack of intervention for Border Patrol agents at the border. What do you say to that Border Patrol official when you're telling them that you're going to add tens of thousands of people at the IRS, but you're not going to go down there and help them out? Sperling said the issues at the border are legitimate concerns. Then he added that experts and former IRS commissioners on tax reform believe people at the top are not paying their fair share in taxes. McCallum concluded that many border experts have said enforcement at the border has crumbled and the administration needs to ramp up their efforts to improve conditions there as well. Now let me pontificate for a minute about what these people are saying to justify 87,000 jobs. Listen, I don't know what the number of auditors there are that are there, but it's massive. It's massive. They're not going after those people who have the ability to go hire tax lawyers. Their tax returns, they're handled not internally by these people. These people hardly see them until it's time to sign them and send them to the IRS. They have people they hire and pay a lot of money. The IRS is not going to go after them in a greater way than they are now. So what are they going to do with those 87000 You can book it. They're going to go and knock on doors, and they're going to scare the bejesus out of Americans that are lower class and middle class, and they're going to go in and milk them dry. Here's what's going to happen. I've been down this road. I've been audited I don't know, four or five times. I did nothing wrong, but from the very beginning, they weaponized the fact that they were there against me. They scared me. They tried to get me to agree that I did something wrong, and I never would. And when you do that, when you bow up to them, 
they tell you point blank, then there's only one thing we can do. We'll take actions against you. And that's what they did with me. I'm not saying my situation was exactly like every other American. I'm telling you the tactics that they use, what they try to do is intimidate people and they're going to milk dollars, maybe small dollars from each individual that we're talking about, but they're going to milk those people of money. People will ask the question, how much do I have to pay to make this go away? It's blackmail. And let me ask you this. If that's not what you're going to do, you think they're planning on strapping on a gun with a bunch of ammo and going into a Fortune 500 company, go in and sit down in a conference room and intimidate a CEO? Heck no. At that conference table, when they walked in their room, there'd be a bevy of attorneys and probably several local law enforcement officials standing there looking at these agents. That's not going to happen. The only place it can happen is in middle-class and low-income families. That can be the only explanation for this. Let me just say this. It's coming back this this Friday, tomorrow morning. They're going to take it up in the House of Representatives. If they pass this bill as it passed in the Senate, which includes these 87,000 IRS agents, your life as you know it, financially, will never be the same. This is all part of a concerted, top-down, way, way, way wide operation that has been in the planning stages for decades. It's part of the plan. The only way big government can take control, and I mean total control, I'm talking about totalitarian, autocratic control of the people, is to intimidate those people to voluntarily give up their rights to the government just to keep from being in the ire of those people that are at the top. That, my friends, that, my friends, is the reason this bill has got to be beaten down in the House. And there are other egregious parts of it. You know that. Yesterday, one CNN panel featuring a former Trump campaign advisor, also a CNN analyst, the conversation devolved into absolute chaos on set during a discussion on the raid at Mar-a-Lago. The plan was supposed to be discussing Republican responses to the raid, and the host, Victor Blackwell, asked whether individuals who could potentially run for the nomination on the GOP ticket in 2024, like Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, former Vice President Mike Pence, among others, should just stay silent. Right. Well, I think SE's analysis of this, I think Republicans writ large care a great deal about overreach from the DOJ and from the federal government, writ large right. I think that small government, you know, Republicans, Small government Republicans find this repugnant and repulsive and the history of the Republic, nothing like that has occurred. That's from former Trump campaign advisor, David Urban. I think this has made Trump a sympathetic character, which is very hard to do. I think it's made him sympathetic amongst a great deal more Republicans. 
I think this is a Trump world talking point that all across the country people are very concerned about the overreach and losing confidence in the FBI and the Justice Department. Now that is true amongst in the MAGA world, but I think most people across the country think if you didn't, and that's where it went crazy. Listen, folks, as we close the show today, Democrats are frenzied right now. They can't figure out what's going on, and they're struggling to get their arms around something that they can use against you and me. Just know that they're going to continue. Thank you for being here on Thursday, back tomorrow morning, every weekday morning, 9 to 11 a.m. Central Time. You guys have a great day. Oh my gosh, what a great song. Live, James Taylor, Carol King. See you tomorrow. Stayed in bed all morning just to pass the time. There's something wrong here, there can be no denying. One of us is changing, maybe we've just stopped trying. And it's too
Together, don't you feel it?